Please rise. Jairus, a respected leader, begs Jesus to heal his daughter. A woman with a hemorrhage is ritually unclean, treated as an outcast in Jewish society. Both Jairus and the unnamed woman come to Jesus in faith, believing in his power to heal and bring life out of death. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark in the fifth chapter. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a hemorrhage for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, but was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, Your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside, took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the gospel of the Lord. I want to share just a couple of words about <clears throat> uh, a period in my life back in, in the early 90s when uh, uh, things just weren't working out the way I wanted them to work out. I had this idea how things should go, and I was working really hard to make things go in a certain direction, and they just weren't going that way. And, 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 and I had this, this thing, like, I tried to I'd look into the future to try and see what the future held, what it was going to be, and, and I couldn't see anything. 
You know how when you look in the future you have hopes and dreams and, and you have ideas about what your life is going to be like and you imagine all these kinds of things. And, and I looked into the future and I saw nothing. I mean, literally when I tried to focus on it and concentrate on it, it was just like a black wall. I mean, total darkness. And, and it was a really hopeless feeling and it was really a frustrating time. And this was going on for months, and I felt like I was in a real rut. But you know what a rut is? A rut is a grave with both ends knocked out. <clears throat> and that's where I was. And finally got to the point where I just threw my hands up, and I said, all right, God, I give up. If, if you want me to do what I'm doing for the rest of my life, I'll do that just you know, whatever you want is okay with me. And it was just kind of just like giving up. Amazing thing is, in less than two weeks, my whole process turned around and everything turned around. And I think God was just waiting for me to get out of the way and let him do it. The gospel lesson that we read today is a story of two hopeless people, two people that had given up hope. Jairus, his daughter was sick. And I can guarantee you, any of you that are parents, you know this, you would do anything for your kids not to be sick. Anything. You'll go to any length for your kids not to be sick. And I'm sure he did the same thing. Every doctor, every whoever, every prayer that he could say, he had probably done all those things, and his daughter just kept getting worse. And he'd heard about Jesus, and, you know, he was a, a synagogue leader, so he would have been clergy. You know, he went to Jesus and said, please, come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well. It was his last hope because, you know, it was just about over. And in the meantime... Here comes this woman who's had a bleeding problem for 12 years, okay? She had tried everything, spent all her money, and it just kept getting worse. And the worst part of that whole bleeding problem thing is she was ritually unclean, which means she could never go to synagogue. She could never even go into the temple, into the women's court in the temple. She could not do anything. So she was cut off from the faith life of the community, from everybody else in the community because she was unclean for 12 years. Hopeless. There was no hope for her. Her future was just dark. And so Jesus was there. She had heard about him. She said, she didn't even want to confront him. She said, if I can just touch his robe, That'll be enough. And she worked her way through the crowd, this unclean woman, going through the crowd, touched his robe, and immediately she was healed. The thing I find interesting about that is that Jesus felt the power go out. You know, I don't know what the dynamic is with that and, uh, from, on a metaphysical level. Or anything. I have no idea what that is, but he knew it, that the power went out. 
And finally, when he confronted her, he told her, it's your faith that did it. It's because you gave up, and that's what did it. So then, while that's going on, they come from Jairus' house and say, too late, you know, don't, don't bother Jesus anymore, she died. Well, now his hope is gone. The little bit of hope he had that his daughter would be healed was gone. But Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe, just have faith. And so they went on, and he got there, and there's this big commotion. I don't know if you know how they did, uh, if, if you had the money. They had professional mourners in Israel, and you could hire them if you had the money. So it, it helped lead the mourning. It helped like it was a way to give permission to everybody to mourn. So you'd hire the mourners, and they were there in the house, and, and they were, you know, crying and wailing and whatever kind of mourning they did. But they were doing all that, and this big commotion. And Jesus said, what's going on? And they, they told him. They said, ah, she's not really dead. So he put all those mourners out of the house, and he took her parents and the three disciples that he had with him, and he went in there, and he said, he said little girl, get up. And she got up. Start walking around. And so imagine now how Jairus and his wife felt when that happened. When hope was gone and they just had to rely on what Jesus did, then he came to them. It was like that was his solution. His solution was. You just got to let me do it. You just got to trust me to do it because you can't. The woman had tried everything. Nothing worked. Jairus had tried everything. Nothing worked. And finally, when they got out of the way and gave it up and let Jesus do it, it worked. When I finally threw my hands up and said, I can't do this anymore, because it isn't working. You do what you want. That's when it changed. It's about letting God be God and us not trying to be that. But there's a bigger kind of hopelessness that is a lot more serious than even those. And that's the hopelessness from that comes as a result of sin in this world and sin in our lives. Because we, you know, you go through the Old Testament and you know what God's standards are and he sets it up and says, do this and don't do this and lays it all out. And then you hear Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, he says, you must be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. There's the standard. You have to be perfect. Paul says that there is, that none are righteous. No, not one is righteous. And to be in God's presence and to make it, you have to be righteous. Paul says there's not anybody that's righteous. Whereas another place he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the hopelessness comes from realizing that on our own, that's our fate. On our own, we're separated from God forever. 
So we might say, and we try very hard to be good people, don't we? We try very hard to do the right thing. And so we might say, but God, you know, I'm really not that bad. I mean, you know, I'm a, basically a pretty good person, and look at what I've done. And, and, you know, we could list the things that I've done, you know, over the years. But then God says, all right, if you want to play the list game, let me get my list out. Well, then it's really hopeless because we're not, his list is going to be way longer than ours. And so that doesn't work. But Jesus had a solution. And his solution for you and me is for us to get out of the way. <laughs> Just get out of the way and let Jesus do it. And that's what he came for. He came to to do everything perfectly. So Jesus, on his list, his good list, is everything God wanted. And on the bad list, it's blank. But he was punished anyway. He suffered as though he had a bad list. Well, his bad list got filled up with ours. And so he suffered for that. And he died for that. And then God said, you know what? If you're willing to follow Jesus, I'll let what he did count for you. You see, we can't do it. If we try to do it, it's hopeless. And we can't make it. But if we let God do it, he did it through Christ, and he says, I'm just going to count that for you. It has nothing to do with what you do has nothing to do with what's on your list or that he's got a bigger bad list than you have a good list. It's God just saying, because I love you, I'm going to let what Jesus did count for you if you just follow me, if you just let him lead you. Now there's hope. Now we know what's going to happen. At the end of that lesson, Jesus says something that I think is really curious. After he heals uh, Jairus' daughter, or brings her back to life, and, and he says, and he gave him strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. Okay, they'd already hired mourners. There's this big commotion. Everybody knew that the girl was dead. Everybody knew. So are they not going to find out that she's alive again? Is she going to stay in the house forever and they're never going to check? No. So what's going to happen when they find out she's alive? <clears throat> Probably the opposite of what all the other commotion was about. People are going to be celebrating and, and jumping and woohooing all over the place. But Jesus said, don't tell anybody what's happened. Well, maybe he was using reverse psychology. I don't know why he said that, but that's what he said. Don't tell anybody. But I'll guarantee you that that family, the girl, she probably had no idea what happened. <laughs> you know, she just probably felt like she was waking up from a nap or something. You know, she didn't know. But everybody else did. And, and I'm sure the word went around. I'm sure people were celebrating and, and jumping for joy because they had their daughter back again. And I really believe that um, at some level, when, when we get there, when we 
are raised from the dead and we get there, it's going to be the same kind of thing. <clears throat> We're going to be celebrating the angels. It says the angels are, you know, celebrate over one sinner that's saved. You know, then when we all get there, it's going to be a celebration. It's called a wedding feast in the scriptures. And I don't think God's going to be out running around heaven, but, but he might be woohooing. Anyway, <clears throat> that's what's going to happen. 